It is a special edition of Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, Lavelle E. Neal III, joining me from a victorious target field. Lavelle, you covered this team for a very long time. You witnessed a lot, all of the 18 playoff losses. Were you at all? Were you there for all 18? Wow. Now you should bring it up. I think the answer is yes. I was there when the streak started with the 7 6 loss in New York and game two in 2004, and right up until through uh, the one game that Paul Molitor managed through yep. all the games that Rockles managed. So, yep. I see them all. I was I was there when it started. I was with you on sidebar duty in New York in 2004, but I was not there for all of them. What was the what's the mood post game at Target Field? Both you know the stands, I'm sure, erupting, but then also how do the Twins handle the streak is over? Well, um, I think from the Twins standpoint, they got a game. They'll, they they got to be back by ten o'clock or eleven o'clock or so tomorrow for game two. So it's more like business-like. It wasn't as, like I said before, it wasn't as pulsating in the clubhouse afterwards as I thought it was going to be. Um, guys are getting ready, getting dressed, um, you know, uh, preparing for the next day. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Pablo Lopez alone a little bit to get kind of get his thoughts on some strategy stuff. Um, but like Duran and Paddock and the old bar, some other guys were around and it was just, you know, it, it, it was, like it wasn't like they lost or won. It was just like you know what, um, it's got to be wash, rinse, repeat here in a few hours. So let's get after. It. As far as the atmosphere in the stadium, it was awesome. I've gotten into it on Twitter with fans through the years about their behavior at games. Um, you know, instead of out cheering an opponent's cheering section, they just boo, which is so boring and easy. You know, this shows the lack of creativity. Other years they have. Uh, people have gotten mad because people have stood up in front of them to cheer and they can't block their view. You know, this time the fans were fired up from the beginning. Um, when the Blue Jays came onto the field, they started chanting USA, USA at the Canadian team. <laughs> and when okay. Gosman struggled in the first inning, they rolled him for the rest of the game, serenading them with Kevin, Kevin cheers and cheering against him. And, you know, Rocco said after the game, he thought the fans really helped. Uh, help that night. So I, I pat him on the back because I've criticized him in the past, but this was a, a fine performance by alleged a, a, a alleged sellout crowd of 38,645. There are still a few thousand empty seats, but apparently once the twins get over 38,000, they just call it a sellout. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll give it to them. Um, you know, for, First batter for the Blue Jays. There's like a pop fly in the in foul territory. It lands between uh what well, that must be Kepler. Kirloff and, and Kepler, and then then the, and eventually Springer grounds to third, but Polanco throws it away. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. But you know, Lopez pitches around that. And then after that, a lot of the moments were just the twins making the plays that usually go against them. You get the, the Royce Lewis home run. Well, I want to get back to that in a minute, but you get the catches by Taylor. You get the play by Correa. Like did it, it, it felt like they were making the plays that they haven't made over the years. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they, they came at the right times too, because Toronto was going to score a run on that play that which the ball went under Polanco's glove. It looked like Bichette ran a stop sign at third. Um, Jeffers, for some reason, I don't know. I want to ask him about it, but I didn't see him after the game. His He had taken his mask and slid it up off his, out of his eyesight, but 
as soon as Correa filled the ball, he slipped a mask over his face, which I thought it should be the opposite, that he should just throw yeah. it away. But uh, he caught the ball with the mask on and was able to get the tag uh, on the base runner for the out. Um, late in the game, they toyed with the baseball gods by having the possibly worst infield defense they could have with Polanco at third, uh, uh, Julian at second, and then bringing in uh, Donovan Solano to play first after he pitch hit for Carolina. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> for a ball that's put in play here because Polanco doesn't throw well from third. Julian has gotten better, but was terrible at the beginning of the year. And I don't like watching Solano throw the ball, catch the ball, or field the ball. All right. But somehow it worked out. And Solano makes a fantastic diving catch. Yeah. For the, uh, stop of a grounder for the final out of the game. Um, it was a, it was uh, definitely an impressive performance, giving the places where guys were playing and their talent level at those positions. <laughs> Royce Lewis, we talked about him on the show a couple weeks ago. I had you fill in the blank, best twin or most, you know, best twins leader since blank. We went there with Torrey Hunter, even Kirby Puckett. Then he comes back from injury and homers in his first two at bats. Lavelle, like he's got to slow down. He's got to he's got to slow down a little bit. He's he's eclipsing. He's he's these moments that he's that he's that he's built for already are, are something else. Um, he's raising the bar pretty high. I mean, where do you go after this? Uh, first, I think he's one. He's a third guy to hit home runs in his first two postseason at bats. Uh, Gary Gaetti is one of them. The G Man did it in 1987 in Game One uh, of the ALCS against the Tigers, I believe. Um, he, uh, you know, he's batting third. He still doesn't have more than what 70 games of experience under his belt. I mean, this is crazy what he's doing, and he's doing it with a smile on his face. He hasn't changed. He's just as engaging of a person as he was, you know, he's coming up through the system. Um, and I mean, I'm really impressed with the second homer. Uh, because it shows you that he's not pull happy or pull conscious. He went with a fastball that was pretty much down the middle, a little bit off to uh, away, but he drove that thing to right center and it just took off like a rocket and floated into the stands. Um, he can't do anything wrong right now. And um, he is living up to the hype that people have been waiting to see from him since they made him the first overall pick of the draft, the same year they passed up on Hunter green. So um it's it's pretty remarkable when you see that. And you know, he's not 100%. Uh, he could have went from first to third on the ground single to right field, I thought, later in the game. But he pulled up at second instead of trying to push it. And that's the way he's got to play um, for a while here. Maybe he gets better enough uh, later in October if the Twins make a run. I can't believe they're actually considering that well, now. They, they won a game, so, you know, hey. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, he's going to make it fun to watch this team play. If Pablo Lopez versus Sonny Gray was any kind of game one versus game two debate, Lopez, I thought, acquitted himself quite well. Got a little tired, probably got a little gassed because, man, he he was throwing hard early, but he gave him five and two thirds, and then Varlin gets at least that out. Taylor helps him out. Um, Lopez was good. He was really good. Um, five and two thirds innings is the longest starter uh, in the, any of the games that Rocco Baldelli has managed in the postseason. It's also the longest outing by a twin starter. Uh, since Francisco Liriano went five and two thirds in the 2010 ALDS against the Yankees. So um, it's been a while <laughs> that, uh, since we see someone on the mound. He was out away from being the longest uh, starting outing since 09 when Pavano, Carl Pavano went seven innings. So they, they had some time. I looked all this up on. They, led, Scott. Thank 
they led that Liriano game three nothing as well, didn't they? Before he ran into all that trouble in the sixth. I think you're right. I think you're right. He was cruising and then kapoof. So it can't can't overlook the fact that this is the first game a Twins pitcher has run won since his fellow Venezuelan Johan Santana. Yeah, I mean, amazing. that's basically gonna be my column for tomorrow. He walked in. I don't know if you saw, but uh, I did. Yeah, Pablo walked in wearing Johan's jersey. So he also has said that uh, nothing lasts forever. So he's got a sense of history uh, about him. It, told, it shows you he doesn't miss anything. He is fully prepared. And the game plan changed early in the game. He uh, ended up throwing many more sweepers than he anticipated. And he was just he explained to me how the way the hitters were reacting, the way they were taking, the way they're, you know, trying to swing into pitches, told him he had a he had a good sweeper. So he threw more of them. And the uh, Toronto manager, uh, Brian Schneider, I think it's Brian Schneider, last name Schneider, um, he even admitted he threw more uh, sweepers than we anticipated, especially to our lefties. So uh, him and uh, so Pablo and Ryan Jeffers were able to um, kind of change on the fly there once they saw something was working. He did not throw a changeup, uh, Mike, until uh, the third inning, So the, which was surprising to me because his changeup is one of the best in baseball. So you know you're going good when your, your third best pitch all of a sudden elevates to – uh, second or first best pitch. Royce Lewis, of course, hit the two home runs off of Gaussman, and they've had Gaussman's number over the years, and there was a lot of chatter on the broadcast about they've, they've picked something up with his splitter where they just don't offer at it, and it's kind of been that way for years. I don't know what it is, but they don't seem intimidated by one of the better pitchers in baseball. Yeah, they hit him well, um, and, he, and he admitted after the game that, uh, you know, for some reason the Twins do well against him, and um, he said, you know, I'm basically a two pitch pitcher. So if you, you know, don't offer at the splitter um, and he also said, I didn't, I didn't carry the plate with the pitch. So, so I, he thinks he should have had better control of the pitch, but if he's not, if he's not having success with that pitch, then he's a one pitch pitcher. They are sitting on the fastball. So uh, I think that's what Lois Lewis did and two at bats against him couple more things for you, Lavelle, before I let you get out of here and finish up all the writing you've got to do. Um, number one, let's let's talk about Michael A. Taylor for a minute because he made the diving catch in the first inning, I believe. He made another nice running catch. And then the catch at the wall, I know that's not a terribly hard catch, but that was, you know, that was back there. That was one that needs to be made where the game could have gotten out of hand. Those are the plays that have gone against the Twins years before. How valuable has he been, especially, you know, in the wake of Buxton not being on the roster, not being 100% all year? Yeah, you know what? Uh, ends up you look back on how this team was assembled, and you think about uh, the contributions Kyle Farmer's made. You think about Willie Castro signing a minor league deal and proceeding to steal thirty-two bases. But you're also going to think about you know Michael A. Taylor need, having to be pressed in the action more because of uh, the struggles of uh, Byron Buxton to get back on the field defensively, and him pretty much living Buxton's life, um, uh, covering a lot of field out there, can throw well. Um, he hit one over the fence occasionally, you know, um, even though I think he hit like 220 on the season, he hitting better than Buck. <laughs> so it's been, uh, you know, he's been a, a really solid pickup and he's helped him out a lot this year. And, um, you know, whatever he can provide the plate is just a plus, but, you know, for this particular team, you know, to have him in center field, uh, it, it's a, it's a big factor here in the postseason. Speaking of tempting the baseball gods, I was, Ready to second guess the Griffin Jacks in the eighth inning, especially when it was three, four, five, and especially when Guerrero led off with that rocket double. But he 
he pulled it together and got him through. I mean, it's kind of how they've done it all year, but I was like, is Duran your eighth inning guy and maybe your ninth inning guy too, based on who is up? Rocco's done that. He has done that. He has saved his best reliever for the most dangerous part of the order, you know, as soon as the game gets to the seventh inning. And I would have, I would have not have been surprised if he had brought in, if he had gone with Duran or even, you know, tried, um, uh, tried uh, Brock Stewart in that situation. You know, some guys who are nasty, who are funky, who throw hard. Um, but he, he stuck to his plan. And Jax has done that a lot this year. And, you know, Jax did a great job after giving up the leadoff hit. He got two strikeouts on the ground ball. So uh, it worked out. But it shows you that Rock is going to be consistent. He's going to work. He's going to go at work during the regular season. He's not going to so, totally go off script now. At least in this game, he didn't. I mean, uh, in the postseason, managers usually lose their minds and start making too many moves. But uh, this one worked out for uh, for, for Griffin Jackson. Now, the Twins are in a great spot tomorrow because um, they got Sonny Gray going. Who may, Sonny may be the best number two pitcher on any staff in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and now the Blue Jays have to they, – they're, they're battling for their lives. It's all hands on deck against Sonny Gray, who throws six different pitches and who's got an ERA under 2.4 during the regular season and who's only given up eight home runs, which is – Freaking remarkable for a guy who's thrown like 180 something innings. So um pack a lunch. Yeah, we're not we're not used to the twins being in the driver's seat at this point in the playoffs, at least not for the last 20 years or so. Like final thought, Lavelle, what do you think they've got to do tomorrow to finish this off? Well, I think they gotta get another good outing from Sonny. Um Rocco, you know, the other thing too, Lopez going five and two thirds innings. Um, I was worried going into that sixth inning because Rocco starts sounding the alarm when uh, a pitcher goes twice through the order. And here comes the third time through the order. And he he gave it to Lopez. So I got to imagine he's going to do the same thing with Sonny uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, there's any lineup tweaks on um, on their part. Um, the Twins have a great spot here. They still have Pagano hasn't thrown. They have Paddock. They have uh, Brock Stewart hasn't thrown. Uh, I don't need to see Cody Thunderberg. I just think uh, he's a luxury arm at this point. Um, but they still can put it together. I don't know if Varlin can go back to back. I don't know because he just is learning how to be a reliever. But it'd be interesting if he could. And the big question tomorrow for the Twins is, will Rocco start Jeffers back-to-back games where he continued to do what he did during the regular season and play Vasquez. Now, he did admit that he had a conversation with Vasquez about his usage uh, during the postseason, but he also said that he had not made up his mind who was going to start a catcher uh, in Wednesday's game, too. So I'm curious to see that because um, Jeffers is sneaked up and is second on the team in war this year uh, with a 3.3. And to me, you got to put your best lineup out there. I will say this. Vasquez has put the ball on the bat, the bat on the ball a little more consistently the second half of the season. He's had some surprising hits. Um, Sonny Gray has caught, he has thrown to Jeffers as much as he's thrown to Vasquez. And it's about the same numbers apparently. So it's neither here or there. I will see, we will see what's going to happen in game two tomorrow. Yeah, I think in the postseason where you've got so many off days where you got to win every game, you got to go with your best guys. Not like Vasquez is a bad player, but I think you got to ride Jeffers when knowing that you've got, if you win, you've got Thursday and Friday off. And at the very least, you've got Friday off and you got all these gaps in the series. I just, I feel like Jeffers is your guy right now, but. That's interesting. It's it's it was a fun game. It was fairly quick. It kind of feels like these postseason games used to drag. Now we're kind of into this like mode where 
these games move. It was like two hours, 40 minutes. It felt like it was, it was, it was crisp. They played, they made the plays and it was a, it was, it was a fun game to watch and we'll see if they can, uh, we'll see if they can do it again. Lavelle, appreciate it. We'll probably do this again tomorrow night and beyond. Uh, Get some, get some rest, write some good stuff. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. That sounds good. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Lavelle for joining me. I know he was busy, tight deadlines, all that stuff, but he'll be with me again Wednesday night, Thursday if necessary, and many other games beyond that if necessary as well. Lots of strategy to debate in this game, but really it was a pretty clean game from the Twins outside of a couple shaky defensive plays. They more than made up for it with those moments when it mattered most. They got the relief pitching they need. Can they do it in game two? I will be waiting to see if they can do that. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. We got to bring in Chris Hannell right now. You guys probably, a lot of you know him by now. He was on the podcast yesterday talking about the 18-game losing streak, the documentary he, documentary he did uh, awesome on YouTube. And uh, Chris, how are you feeling right now, now that the streak is over? It's, uh, I... I started crying before the ninth even finished. <laughs> um, I was keeping track of the win expectancy throughout the game because sure. I knew there was going to be that say the line, Bart, kind of feeling about people. People knew that I was going to be thinking about that all throughout the game. And it just kept going higher and higher and higher. And then they got one out of way. And it was like 98.8% to win. And then the walk. And I'm just shaking. I'm shaking like I'm convulsing. I could barely type. I could barely hold on to anything. And then Springer makes contact, which there's a phrase I had to use about the 2020 playoffs. Oh, no. George Springer made contact on a ball. And then Solano dove. And my arms just immediately went up into the air and then I I just started sobbing like it was it was such an intense feeling like I I can't imagine just like because I've been in this space for the last three months like this yeah. has been everything and so just to be able to ride this wave and just to be able to put out that message of like optimism and then to have them win, yeah, to have to to have that happen. I've, I've received so many messages. I've received so many texts. Uh, the comments on my YouTube video are <laughs> wild sure. right now. Yeah, and so it's and, and to have it be Royce, Royce Lewis. You're from your, you know, he he start. You know, you're right because he, you're. What your parents? You told me yeah. when we talked to you there. Your parents. It's the one were, autographed were usher, baseball I have. Your parents are yeah. ushers at my, the at the Colonels games, right in in Cedar Rapids. They they were. I, my my mom corrected me on that. She's oh, like, we we checked we checked alcohol bracelets for a charity <laughs> like or something. I'm like, mom, the the story is fine. Like this, yeah, it's still right. it still works out. The Star Tribune yeah. was printing a retraction. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I've been annoying with people for years, just saying like Royce Lewis is good. 
you're going to see Royce Lewis is good. He'd get injured. I'm like, he's going to come back. Royce Lewis is good. And then it just came right out of the gate with two home runs in his first two plate appearances. I, I, you can't, you can't write a better story. You absolutely cannot. Uh, so many defensive great plays. The defensive miscues didn't get punished. Um, the official, like, and this is the thing I was tweeting throughout the game. Like the officiating was awful, but everything that we talk about with the narrative of the twins in the postseason still happened. Defensive miscues, bad officiating, missed opportunities. They still broke through. And to see target field that energetic and that into it, just like my heart grew three sizes that day. Like I'm, I'm so happy. Um. So you, you, I mean, we've talked through a lot of this, but like Royce Lewis, uh, that's all the offense they get. But he, like, what a moment for him. Yeah. And the 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 narrative of is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And seeing so many people being like, it's so important that he's on the roster. Like just that energy, that spark, that feeling of like. There is no moment that Royce Lewis looks at and goes, no, that's too big of a spotlight. No, he wants to be there. It's so clear. And he just, he put the team on his back on offense today. I, it was amazing. It's like, it has me so excited for the playoffs. Like, I mean, I was already, obviously, I was already excited for the playoffs, but just like, oh, if this is what we're going to, to see, and if he's able to do that while still not being 100%, yeah. like... I yes, I have run through the brick wall. I ran at the brick wall full <laughs> speed, and the brick wall blinked. We're recording this. It's around seven o'clock my time. You're out in Oregon, right? So it's five o'clock your time. But before we started recording, you said you have not been able to eat or drink anything all day. No, um, I woke up this morning, and it was just the my body just kind of went into this thing of like, let's just get to the game. I'm not gonna worry about anything and so at some point i was like man i should grab lunch i'm like oh no first pitch is going to be like x minutes away kind of thing and then i like i had some water <laughs> i had a glass of water this morning i'm going to eat a very big meal because all of the adrenaline has now started to rush out and now my body's like hey you know some sustenance might be good maybe right now and i'm like yes that would be that would be great oh hey buddy oh See your dog now. Um, yes, this, this is this is, is this is this the dog that needs surgery? I saw there was something he's, about he's had he's had surgery. The video at the this is Deeps. Yes, he was at the uh, he had a very expensive surgery uh, two weeks before all of this went down. I was working on the video while we were up in Portland, and he was going through all of that. Um, and so, like when we published the video, I was like, "Well, I don't have a Patreon, and I don't know if I'm going to be starting a YouTube channel." And so I was like, I will play the pet card. How about yes. that? Please yes. help out. And there's been a lot of really great contributions and oh, some really sweet awesome. messages from people. So, well, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to let you go because I want you to celebrate and get something to eat. But like, what, how greedy do we get now? Or do you get, do you like the streak is over, but then now Wednesday comes and it's like, okay, now you got a chance to win the series. Now you got, now, now you look at the team, the way they're built. Pablo Lopez did his thing. Royce Lewis mm -hmm. did his thing. The bullpen held together. You see how this is not just a team that broke the streak, but one that is built better than a lot of the teams that mm -hmm. didn't win in the playoffs to win in the playoffs. So what 
having seen game one and experienced this win, does it reset expectations a little bit? I would say that, okay, I'll give you my ultra greedy answer. Yeah. Which is I wanted Houston as a wild card opponent. I thought that we matched up the best against them. The situation would have been that if that happened, it would have meant that uh, Verlander and uh, uh, Gaussman, I, does that, do I have the names right? I'm yeah, Gaussman's Toronto was Toronto's Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, I, uh, they would have had to use their two best pitchers trying to get to the playoffs kind of thing. And so right. I was like, I feel like we match up the best against them. Um, I think the only team that I'm super, super afraid of is the Orioles, but even the twins have hung with them this season. And so I, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that an ALCS or a world series is impossible. I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen once you're the, the objective is to get here. What, what I seriously want twins, Braves part two. Wow. That's what I want. I want Twins Braves part two, and I want Ken Herbeck to throw the first pitch. <laughs> I didn't tell you this when we talked before. I was a I was a huge Braves fan in '91. I was like a yeah. North Dakota kid, Superstation. I was like 15 years old Man. in that World Series. Like that was my like least favorite sports memory. So that's the thing about when because I lived in Iowa at the time, and I was a little, I was a kid in Iowa. The Braves were the hot team. If if you live somewhere where you didn't have a pro team, like the Braves tended to be the thing that the cool kids wanted to cheer for. Sure. And so after Game Five in '91, the kids were like bringing in the newspaper to me and being like, "Yeah, Braves are going to win out." And then I remember after Game Seven, after Game Seven happened and the Twins won. Like I walk into school waving my Homer hanky and yeah. like no one's acknowledging me. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you know what happened. So, no, I totally understand that experience. Yes. Well, I think it's t- it's time to get greedy. And I is speaking of greedy. I want I want a postscript that you promised. I don't need it tomorrow, but I want a postscript to the video uh, that says <laughs> 69 billion to one um, is no longer. Yeah. A, f- a friend of mine asked on a scale of zero to 18, how happy are you? And I said, <laughs> 69 billion, 50 million, 227,309. <laughs> well, Chris, that's perfect. Um, I appreciate it. Go get something to eat. Enjoy the win. And uh, hey, if this thing gets a little bit further down the road, maybe we'll talk to you again. But uh, congrats again. Enjoy it and uh, take care. All right. Absolutely levitating over here. Thanks so much, man. Chris Hannell, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate his time again. He was legitimately choked up there. He was that is how much this meant to him getting this win for the Twins and I think he echoed the sentiments of a lot of Twins fans out there that this streak is over and now he wants more. He is ready for bigger and better things. We'll see if the Twins can get it on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, but they'd love to do it on Wednesday if they can and we'll see if they can get it done. There'll be a show one way or the other. There'll be a show tomorrow morning too, back to regularly scheduled program in the morning and then another one tonight. It is a busy week, but I wouldn't have it in any other way. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again in a little while.